Hey, welcome friends. So glad that you're here joining us at the Loma Linda University Church Sabbath School Experience. So today you've got Pastor Philip, Pastor Joey, and Miguel are both on speaking engagements and other meetings in our division. And so today you're going to have a wonderful experience, but it's not the one you're thinking of with those two. This morning, I want to encourage you to get out your Bibles. We're going to be looking at John chapter 11 together for a little bit. We're setting the scene of Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, we're going to look at a few passages in the New Testament, and it's going to reference some work that was done in the Old Testament with the resurrection, in particular relating this to the resurrections to occur before Jesus comes again. But this morning, I want to introduce you to a few of my good friends who are going to be joining us for this conversation. So, Heather, welcome. Uh, so glad that you're here. Heather Thompson Day is an author, speaker, and she's also a university professor. Anything That's else you right. want to add to us? No, you covered it. Thank okay. you for that introduction. Good, good. And then Kelly Lynn, she is our young adult pastoral ministry intern here. She's an amazing uh, person to have on our team for young adult ministry. She's a creative, and uh, she comes from a long heritage of kind of faith in China, actually, too. So. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so glad that we're here. Well, Kelly, why don't you start off with prayer for us, and we'll jump into the Word together. Sure. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day that we can come together and learn a little bit more about you. Lord, for the next few minutes, I pray that you bless us, bless this conversation. And for those who are watching, Lord, bless them and their families. Help us to walk away knowing a little bit more about the deep love that you have for each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I know that some of you have already probably read your Sabbath School lessons, or maybe some of you are joining us for the first time. What I'm going to do for you is I'm going to just share a little introduction that I have for you that'll kind of set the tone of where we're going, and then we'll jump into a good conversation together. So I want to read this to all of you so that you can see this. So the, the scene is resurrection. The theme is resurrection, but it really actually begins much sooner in the Word than we imagine. Resurrection was something that happened a lot sooner than the New Testament. So I want to read you something that I prepared here. Um, there are five individuals that we can look at in the scriptures that have been resurrected. And we don't always think of Moses being resurrected because, well, he died. And the text kind of points to that he went to heaven. He came back to earth that we see him in the New Testament. But then you also have the son of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. And then you have the Shunammite's son in 2 Kings 4. And then you have the son and the widow of Nain that begins now in the New Testament. But resurrection first started in the old. And that's something that I want you to pay attention to, the realization. You had Elisha and Elijah both resurrect people that were dead on earth. Moses, we don't know how the resurrection exactly occurred, but he showed up again in bodily form with Jesus. And then we move to the New Testament with the widow of Nain in Luke 7, and then Jairus' daughter in Mark 5, and where we're going to spend our time in 
John 11 with Lazarus. All of these individuals died, yet only Moses went straight to heaven. All of the rest were brought back uh, to life here on earth. Each account demonstrates even further that there is no life, no soul or existence after death. Interestingly, none of the resurrected people mentioned an afterlife experience. You know, we have some stories uh, kind of today, people kind of coming back from life and they tell you what it was like to be in heaven and see the light. We don't actually have any of that in the, in the Bible happening. Now, obviously, there's so much that could have been written, but that's one thing that's not there. Now, Moses, who was taken to heaven, was not a, quote, spirit or a disembodied soul because he was resurrected in the body as signified by the nature and this kind of dispute between Christ and Satan, which was about the body of Moses. You find that in Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 9. So no living soul is ever mentioned by Satan or Jesus in the dispute. So why would a body be needed if a soul existed? So meaning there's, why would there be a necessity for a body if there's already an existence in a spirit form like a soul? The body wasn't needed in order to house a soul because the body was Moses. Later on, Moses appeared, appears to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration along with Elijah in Luke 9, who was taken to heaven and never died. These accounts, once again, demonstrate that the best explanation for death is a sleep, not a bodiless existence. All right, so now we jump into our conversation here. When you guys think about resurrection um, in the... Old and New Testament. And just what strikes you about the reality that that actually happens when we live in a modern world when you never hear about a resurrection occurring? I think the first thing that I think about is that everyone wants resurrection, Mm. but no one wants death. Mm. And those two things go together. Mm. And so what does that mean in our experience? We are eternal beings living this one human experience. Mm. And so what does that look like where we avoid death at all costs, but we all want to experience resurrection or we avoid pain, but we all want to experience joy. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, it is spooky season, so (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. Um, When I think of resurrection, I think of actually, I was reading this story of Lazarus And it just has so many parallels to Jesus's resurrection. Mm -hmm. And I think when you read it, it says, you know, in verse 33, Jesus sees Mary weeping and he's moved and he begins to weep. Mm. And um, you see that the women are the ones who are at the tomb mourning. And then you go to Jesus's resurrection and history later in John chapter 20 and you see this similar parallel where there's linens there's women there's there's mourning and Mm. yet there's also this parallel reality of resurrection Mm. and and that theme of of seeing the the person again and having so much joy oh yeah and I think back to you know the family members I've lost over the years of like man that would be so incredible oh, yeah. to be mourning over your loved ones for days. Yeah. And then you come back and you see them right there. Like, I mm-hmm. think that is so beautiful. And mm. I, I love the, the parallel 
story between Lazarus and Jesus's mm, resurrection. Mm, mm. So that was just kind of yeah, an initial yeah. thought. Yeah. That I had. No, that's good. That's good. You know, I just want to kind of go back to the initial comment that you had about it's spooky season. No. <laughs> I think I think the Sabbath school tra- like writers here. I think they must have planted this. <laughs> Right now, right before Halloween, you know, let's talk about that just for a moment, because I think as a culture, you know, I I don't know if any other nation besides maybe Mexico, they venerate the dead in such a way, like all of this resurrection. But I think as a culture, we we still desire the miracle to occur. Now, I think society takes it and culture takes it in a really kind of scary way that's needless. But I think everyone yearns to have new life again as you pointed out mm-hmm. like we we want to come back if we die we don't want to ever die uh as you said we were created as eternal beings but we live this one singular mm-hmm. life 75 years maybe some more blue zone five right. Right, right. more. um <laughs> so i think that as a culture we think of death but we think of it maybe in a negative way how might we reframe what culture thinks about in this halloween season even maybe Uh, with the powerful biblical truth Mm. of resurrection. You know, I think death is still supposed to be death, Mm. right? I don't think we have to lose that. I don't think we have to, as Christians, deny the pain Mm. of death. And Mm. and that's why Jesus wept, Mm. knowing full well I'm about to raise him up again, and yet Mm. he still weeps. Mm. So I think what I would say is death is, is, we weren't, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Yeah. And, and that is people can lose those who live seven years, 10 years. Uh, how Somebody said, how long am I going to grieve? And this therapist I know said, how long will they be dead? Mm. Right? So it's like that's, that is this, the reality wow. of life is that there's this juxtaposition wow. of death and resurrection. Mm. And I think we only fully yeah. embrace resurrection when we are honest with ourselves about the reality and the painfulness of mm. death. Mm. And not shame ourselves for it. It doesn't make you a bad Christian, and it doesn't mean you don't have faith. Yeah, yeah. If you acknowledge that the power of death takes us till the resurrection. But that is a reality we need to kind of live into more often. We really don't talk about death, actually, at all. And it's interesting, if you Mm. think about 100 years ago, when someone would die, they would die in their home. Yeah. They would be on a table. The neighbors would come and see them. We would have a mourning experience together. You would prepare them for that. Now, it's so clean, institutionalized, in a hospital. Most people die their last days in a hospital now. Right. Ah, that's sad. My wife did a report on this some time ago for her master's degree uh, during medical school. The the woman took a time off to go to get her master's. That's an overachiever. (laughs) Um, But she studied out how physicians understand that a little bit more than maybe kind of general population. And I think it was a high majority of physicians die at home. Whereas mm, interesting. the larger majority of our general population dies in a hospital. Kind of recognizing and making peace with the fact, hey, you're going to die. Live into that. As opposed to fighting to live. We always have that, I'm going to make it. I'm going to survive. I don't mm. know. I don't know how that fits with our milieu of, of this moment, but... But I'm thinking, even think about the sanitization of death in the sense that for most policies, it's like three days. Mm. And yet in Jewish culture, 
you spent weeks. Is it 40 days, I think? Even still that they spend in a time of mourning. So I'm like, our culture so much. Oh, you get like three days of bereavement. Off. Yeah. That's oh, what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Were you looking at me like, what like, is she talking three about? Days, like, <laughs> yeah. Three days it's off work. Awful. Like, take your time. Yeah. 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 That's terrible. To me, that's also denying the reality yeah. of the pain that so many of us experience in this world, losing yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Because the process of grieving is also, it takes so much time. Mm. Right. And on top of that, it's so important to go through. Mm. Right. And to reconcile with the memories that you had with that person and, mm. and to cherish those memories and yeah. to sit in that yeah. discomfort and to yeah. grow from it also. Right. Oof. I think in the darkness of grieving is when I have grown a lot. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be everyone's experience, but yeah. I think it's made me really appreciate and look at life in such a different way as mm. well. Actually, can I tell you an option B, um, which is a book by Sheryl Sandberg. She says more people after PTSD experience post-traumatic growth. Oh, wow. He's got goosebumps. So what you just said wow. is actually, but if we don't talk about it, mm. then people don't know that that's even an option. Mm. Yeah. Right? But most people, after some type of deep trauma, actually experience a deep area of growth mm. because resurrection is still possible Ooh. at all times. Amen. Right? I love that. That's so beautiful. Oh, I love that. Like looking for the pieces in your life in the times of like grief and death looking for moments of resurrection. Yes. Mm. I think that is that will give you so much hope and light. Yeah. And knowing that there is some sort of resurrection in you or in your community or mm. maybe in your family or close friends. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Now let's take the conversation into John 11 okay. for a moment. Let's look at the text, pull some nuggets out from here. And then I want to talk about something, Heather, that we're really excited about this weekend. We're going to talk about Heather's book in a moment, but we want to jump into John 11 and pull out what might be a resurrection moment that we can experience right now. So let's read. Uh, I'm just setting the scene. So Jesus doesn't come to help his friend who... Which, hang on that, please. Go ahead. No, you, yeah. That, they <laughs> tell him your friend is sick, and so he waits, waits. three days. Ah. And they were so, I mean, I would confused. use confused, angry, frustrated. So Mary and Martha are like, why did you do that? You could have. And then Jesus looks at her and she says, your brother will rise again. And she talks about the resurrection. Mm. And she's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. Right. Mm. So we're going to talk about the possibility of resurrection in relationships now. But let's look at this very moment for a moment. So let's read 28 to 37, Heather. Okay. After she said, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister, Mary, aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mm. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Mm. He asked. Mm. Come and see, Lord. They replied, 35, Jesus wept. Ooh. 
Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? Mm -hmm. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Mm. So when we look at this text, there is so much here. I yes. Wanna, I want to come back to verse 32 when we talk uh, about relationships here. But in this moment, what do you capture being the sentiment of what Mary believed Jesus could actually? Listen, listen, this is, this is me with God all the time. I thought you were going to. Yes. And I feel so validated and affirmed to be in scripture, to, to read about the eyewitnesses. There's a book called Jesus and the Eyewitnesses. Yeah. To read about people who were there with Christ, who mm. watched miracles, and they still said, I thought mm. you were going to. Mm. And so, again, it's okay to have disappointment. Yeah. And in fact, I think, I think disappointment is where we often either lose our faith or grow our faith oh. is when we walk into those spaces of disappointment. But here's what we see about Mary. Where does Mary take her disappointment? And this is what we see by the apostle Paul. We are supposed to, sometimes we say as we live, um, I've always heard people say like, I live for Christ. Mm. Actually the translation in Paul in Galatians is to live to him. Mm. Mary takes her disappointment mm. and goes straight to, to. the feet wow. of Jesus. Mm. And as should we. Wow. It's not bad to mm. have it. It's where do we take it? Mm. To whom shall I go? Mm. I mean, I can take it to my girlfriend, friends, people in my life, be angry, talk. But why not take it to the source? Yes. So good. So good. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think something that's just so beautiful about this, it's not a matter of if. They weren't struggling with the, oh, if God could. That wasn't even there mm. in their mind. They had such a relationship with Jesus. They had seen, the eyewitnesses had seen the miracles. It was just simply a matter of when you get here, God, it will be better. But what, so actually what it is is that yeah. faith can be painful. Mm. They Tell believed. me more. Tell me more. What we're saying, what you just said essentially is that it was because of their faith yeah. that they were so disappointed. Mm. It's much easier, I think, in a protection mechanism to go through life and say, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. The harder oh, yeah. work is yeah. to believe yeah. and make ourselves vulnerable to the fact that God still may not. Oof. Oh, that's true. That's and then like, can I trust you Oh, man. Anymore? That's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. And they're like, we have such a faith, we don't even care if we die, though. Yep. Because mm. it may not turn out how we imagined because there's a bigger plan. So let's talk about the plan. Wait, yeah. before we move okay, on okay. to that, though, yeah, yeah. this does remind me of when I was applying to medical school, and I had been going to, I've been praying every day, like, Lord, just help me get into one medical school. I don't care which one it is, just choose for me, open that door for me. Yeah. And what I realized is that was a really faithless prayer, mm. because until I asked specifically, I want to go to Loma Linda. That, that was that was when I was afraid to say. I couldn't even say uh, out loud because I didn't want to face that disappointment. Yeah. So when I finally realized, like, this is a faithless prayer of just saying, God, open a door for me. God, choose for me because God doesn't work that way either. Hmm. And so for me to be able to be like, okay, wow, Kelly, you have been actually really faithless in this. Let's see. Let's step it up a little bit. <laughs> and so I started praying, um, Lord, just take me to Loma Linda. I, I don't know why I feel called to go there. Wow. And... Literally a week later, I got 
a phone call saying that I got an interview into Loma Linda. Mm. And that's when my journey began of coming to Loma Linda, of going to medical school. And even in medical school, feeling so disappointed, it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would. Mm. Of thinking that, you know, medicine was this beautiful, glorious thing I had made up in my head, but it wasn't actually what I thought it would be. It was Mm. a lot of sacrificing everything. 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 I mean, you know, your wife is in it and you watched her and it, and realizing this is not this is not for me, <laughs> because ultimately what I wanted was to serve God in a tangible, meaningful way. Yeah, and that's where you hopped into yeah. my life and was like, "Hey, come on board of ministry." And I'm like, <laughs> "What is this?" And so I think you know I think back. But would you to, have come had you known that was the plan all along? No. There we go. And so I needed. What are you those What steps. are you trying to bring out of that? I want to hear it. She. God was probably taking her on the exact same journey. So in scripture, you know how it says he makes a crooked path straight. Straight, I think it's because all these different dots dots that we think don't connect. God's still going to take you to the same destination. Mm. Oh, yeah. She was supposed to be in this role the entire time, but she may not have made that move. (laughs) God told you that from the beginning. (laughs) And that's the thing about God is with God, there is a plan, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we can't know it. Yeah. We because can. we wouldn't have picked it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure all of us mm-hmm. sitting here, if we were honest, are like, there's some things I wouldn't have picked if I had knew, known how hard this was oh. going to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what's crazy is I remember in 2014, 2013, my early 20s, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I'll do ministry. And then I got super disappointed mm. after the women's ordination didn't go through. Yep, and I was yep. like, never going to do ministry. And it's taken me years to get back to this confidence mm. of, you know, you don't have to focus on yeah. ordination as yeah. a, if God has already ordained you, what I mean ordination is what Ellen White said, right? But there we go. What's there the point go. of men and and women ordaining you when God has already called mm. you to right. mm. But it took me years to get to that point. Even now, it's still me having to ask God, like, okay, you got to show me. You got to show up. Why am I still here? Yeah. What What am I still doing? And how can I continue? To pour into others, but also where can you pour into me as well? Mm, yeah, which so is why you're beautiful. here this weekend. You're pouring yes. into all of us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You know, I wanted to say something you were saying about faith. Um, it just struck me as you were talking about that that the only two times in Scripture, I don't know what the lesson is to the church. I actually have no idea where I'm going with this. Other than <laughs> the only two times in Scripture that Jesus commends someone for their faith are for non-Jews mm. people. In other words, outside of the church covenant that he was a part of, mm. to the centurion and to the Canaanite woman. Yeah. He says, I, I, in, in, I haven't seen in Israel your great faith. So I just think that there's a level of humility as mm. Christians when we think we're the keepers of faith. Wow. To be very sensitive to those who are going through life and experiences, even not even realizing that the name that they're calling on is God. Mm. That mm. when they experience God, their faith can heal them. Oof. Praise wow. God for that. I mean, that makes sense to me because Romans 1, 18 to 20. Romans is my favorite book. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and there it says that everyone will be convicted in their own conscience. You know, there's this path. Anyways, we're going to another subject, but I, I think that's so good. I want to just make one mention of this, and then I want to jump into a really exciting thing that why you're here okay. with us. Um, <laughs> so Jesus, though, tells tells them something really profound 38 to the rest, kind of uh, all the way to verse 44. So let's just look at that, Kelly, really quick, and then we'll we'll jump to another idea. Sure. 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. What were you going to say? I see something emerging <laughs> on your I feel face. like I'm going to cry. I feel like the Holy Spirit just said to me they had to roll away the stone before the miracle even happened. Mm. And also, God doesn't roll away the stone. We have to do the work Ooh, with God. Wow. We were called to co-labor with Christ. Yes. And when we roll away the stone, mm. our faith mm -hmm. can make way. Faith is the victory which Hallelujah. is what scripture says, for Hallelujah. miracles and transformation and resurrection to happen in our lives. Mm. But we, like, I think we read texts and we're like, they rolled away the stone. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> how many men is it taking to roll away the stone? Mm. How long did it take wow. to roll away the stone? Wow. Let's not skip over the work that had to be done. I was just reading um, in 2 Kings how um, when God is calling uh, Elijah, and he feeds him, right? He's like, let me yeah. die here. Yeah. He's furious. Yeah. After seeing miracles, he's like, I'd rather just die now. Mm. And so they let him sleep. They give him a, a snack, yeah. right? And then they send, And then he still has to do a 40-day journey. Yeah. And this time when I read that text, I was like, he still had to walk for 40 days. Mm. And for me in my life, it's the rolling of the stone. It's the mm. walk that mm. I say, if God was with me, wouldn't this be easier? Mm. Yeah. Scripture says no. Yeah. And scripture says we are we are rolling away our own stones. We have right. a stone in our own mind. Uh, yeah. So I spent Let's time talking with one of our young adults that happens to be in uh, in prison right now. Mm. He's serving a seven year sentence. And he said something so profound. He said to me, Philip, I don't want to leave here any sooner than God finishes what brought me here. Wow. He said, I know I heard this all my life growing up. He's a pastor's kid too. And he said, I grew up hearing that God will do great things in your life. And, and he's just imagined it would just happen. And he said, I realize that it takes time for God to do the beautiful. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm like, he's just telling me this. Yeah. From prison. Mm -hmm. Now, people say, oh, you find God in prison. Well, you know what? There's not a lot of other things you can do. And mm -hmm. you get to the end of your rope and you start reflecting on your life in a profound way. And he told that to me and it just hit me how sad it is when I assume this reality that I'm not going to work with God. He's just going to do it all for me. And I stop the growth that the Lord yearns for me to have when I just imagine it's all on you. Salvation is all his. Yes. Right? But sanctification mm -hmm. is a process in which we do work with Jesus on. So I just really want to affirm that. With you, both you know what up. it is too, though? And I've never thought about this before, but we were created in his image mm. and God works. Mm. If we are in the very image of God, why would we think that we were 
that we weren't going to also work. Mm. We are reflecting back the image of God to himself. Wow. Yeah. And I think also in the, in the Bible, sometimes we read things where we just see snippets of people's lives, but we haven't seen the work that right. God has continued mm. to work in their lives. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the Samaritan woman, she just shows up to the well and then Jesus is there. And then you, next moment you read, she's like running to town being right. like, oh, my life has been changed. But you don't read the rest of her life. Yeah. What has what did it take for God to continue speaking into her life, to continue yeah. to mm. shepherd those around her in her community? Mm. And I think that takes so much work in ourselves. Mm. And but we don't read that. We read yeah. almost instantaneous little snippets. Yeah. But realizing, yes, there's time. God is refining us yes. in every single yes. moment of our lives. Heather, wanna get to this. Yeah. For a moment as it kind of relates to it our It absolutely subject. relates. So, Heather, you are a professor at Andrews University in communications. You've been a professor elsewhere as well. You're on uh, TikTok, Instagram. I am not on TikTok. You're not on TikTok? No, I'm too old for okay. TikTok. Okay. <laughs> Instagram, I know for sure. I am I've on seen Instagram. you on there many times on Twitter. Uh, but you've also you also have a really great podcast on Christianity Today, Viral Jesus. Have you listened to it, Philip? Or are you have. just saying that? I okay. have. I have. I have listened to many episodes. Um, I also have seen you as a third grader because yep. I was there in school with you. So <laughs> Heather's a, a good friend of mine from childhood as well. She's here for our Young Adult Conference, Praxis Conference that's happening this weekend. If you want to yes. register this morning, you still can. If you're a young adult, uh, go to praxisministry.com or on our Instagram, Praxis Ministry. But this book in particular, I'll See You Tomorrow, a Rebuilding Relational Resilience When You Want to Quit. How does this relate to our subject? Because I, I see it, but I want to hear it from you, kind of why you wrote this book and then how it connects to this morning. It fits literally with what we just read, um, that there's work to be done on our behalf. Mm -hmm. I think we are living in a time for good reason mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where there's lots of excellent advice that is needed on boundaries mm. and know when to walk away and knowing when to leave. I think there is... I think we are losing the conversation, unfortunately, because as culture, we tend to like totally swing in a pendulum. I think we're losing the conversation on knowing how to stay. Mm. And if everything somebody does to me, if every offense I experience, I now say you're toxic mm. or you're a narcissist. I'm a communication person. So for me, that's difficult because words mean things. Yeah. We, we use words with sweeping brushes as if like, they don't have meanings in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So I'm really passionate about, A, helping people realize words mean things. And also, evolutionary biology and Christianity both agree that you were wired, literally in your physiology, to be in relationship with other people. Mm. And yet, we've never been more alone mm. as a culture. Wow. When you think of the fact of how you wrote this book with your husband to speak to it a It is not a marriage book. It's not a marriage but book. But we are, yeah. we happen to be married. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, speaking to a culture that is so divided and yeah. looks to give up so quickly, whether it's in a relationship with a friend, in a dating relationship, marriage, um, two people in a church, yeah. it's so much easier to just say, I'm going to keep my distance. Why do we need relational resilience at a time like this right now? Um. First of all, we're Trinitarians, mm. and I think it's fascinating that we claim this religious ethic of a trinity, which means God only exists in community, in community and relationship. Yeah. Literally, there is no such thing as God outside of the trinity, mm. and yet we're like, I'm good. 
I'm mm-hmm. gonna be fine by myself. I'm fine oh. on yeah. my own. Yeah. In yeah. fact, we praise people yeah. for self-reliance. Yeah. I think self-reliance is a myth. Mm. Um, and so I'm really, I've done it, I've studied for over a decade. Just one small example. People who have a best friend at work are Mm. seven times more likely to be engaged at their job. Oh, wow. It's not how much money I make Mm. and it's not what I'm doing. It's always been who I'm doing it with. Mm. There's a message here for churches if they want to tag on. Because in my world, I sit in ministry meetings where they say, well, this generation is no longer holy. Or this generation doesn't care about God anymore. They've lost the Mm. value of religion. When people have community and relationships where they work, they are more likely to be engaged at their job. Mm. You think if they have community at their church, Mm. they're going to leave? No, they won't. Right. I think of something I've been reading about right now in young adult kind of studies, which are transformational festivals. So we talk about that? so we talk about how they're not in church, they're not here in in community groups. What where are they? So there's a huge movement of like just music festivals right now. It's big, you know. But now they're no longer called music festivals in kind of academic studies. They're called transformational festivals because mm-hmm. young adults arrive there realizing it's more than just the music. It's about this communal feel that emerges. Yeah. And many of these festivals include elements of just building up your own self, spiritual kind of thoughts and all kinds of things to bring people to a divine space of community. But they do it outside the walls of church. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, imagine if we provided that at the highest level within a church community. They wouldn't be going. Are you saying we're having a music festival here? Hey, November 12th is releasing the album. We're doing a concert, so be there. Yeah, but I think it's so good. But now I want to tie this to our lesson this morning because I just think there's just so much here that kind of connects in my mind. So I, I want to read to you a few questions that I, I prepared. So um, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. So Jesus was in the driver's seat doing something really unique with a greater purpose. He kind of points that out. Now, I don't think we should let things die in our lives. That's not what I'm saying here. But Jesus was making a kind of a, a pointed uh, reality. Hey, I'm going to let him die mm. so that I can do something amazing. When you talk about relationships, some people kind of just do that naturally. Like, I'm just going to let this die because I don't ever want it to come back. Why should we fight for something that hurts? Mm. Why fight for that? Why, why not just quit? Why not let it go? Like why didn't why, Jesus could have just let that person fully die? Lazarus, you're not coming back. We don't need you. I think it's. I think it depends. I think if it's a relationship that is genuinely like physically abusive, absolutely, or, verbally or emotionally bad for you, and you are just distraught after every you know, interaction. I say, let that die. <laughs> yeah. Um, and don't let it resurrect. But I think there are some really beautiful truths to continuing friendships, even when they are difficult. Mm. I know that in my life, I've had friends from childhood where we differ in every single regard. We have grown up and realized, wow, we don't believe in the same, like the way that we worship God is different. The way that we view the world is so different. 
And yet having those people in my life really grows me Mm. and it helps me become a better person and Mm. also helps me become more firm in what I truly believe. Mm. And so I think there is beauty in recognizing that people are going to be different from you. They're going to say things that you don't agree with. Um, But there are friendships that are really valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say like even in my own family, there's times when I'm like, oh man, I wish my sister would just not say that. And she is driving me crazy. And we are... (laughs) You know, so different. My sister and I are just opposites in every regard. But I value so much our conversations when I look back to them because I realize she has grown me, I think, the most in my life. Mm. In every regard of understanding people better, of understanding myself better, of understanding our family better. She's able to really call me out in some of those times. And I think that is important in building that relationship and not just quitting, even when it's hard. Mm. Because in the end, I'm growing even more so. I think for me, I have, you remember Jewel? So there is one of my best friends since third grade. Her name is Jewel Jones. And I had this moment where another very good friend of mine, this is actually part of why I wrote the book. It's in chapter one. Um, She sent me a screenshot of a conversation she was having about me with somebody, but she forgot to crop it so that she was supposed to cut out what she had said in the line before and she forgot. So I saw what had prompted the conversation Mm. and it was, I would say it was an offense. Mm. It was rude. And this is one of my best friends for over a decade. And I read this and I was upset Mm. and I said, boundary, I'm going to call her out. I'm going to tell her that I have boundaries and she has crossed them. And I called my friend Jewel, who is very wise. And I told Jewel the story and she said, you can call her out. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Thank you for this advice. And she goes, or you can choose to look at this experience in the span of your 10 year plus friendship. Mm. And you can ask yourself, is this an incident or is it a pattern? Mm. Incidents can always be forgiven. Patterns should be broken. Wow. And I never said anything to my friend about what I felt about the message she had sent. And I've never had another incident. Mm. And so I realized in that moment that what Jewel had recommended to me was something that Jewel had done for me Mm. because I've been the bad friend. Mm. I've been the jealous friend and Mm. the bitter friend Mm. and the friend that said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm. And thank God I had friends like Jewel who saw me as more than my worst moment. And how do we choose to do that for other people? When we Mm. use, again, this is like, Everything today is toxic. And I'm saying it's not true, but that's what the language we use. Well, this is a toxic church. This is a toxic person. Is it? Mm. Maybe. Right? Is there a pattern? Because if something's toxic, words mean things. When things are toxic, if I keep ingesting it, it will kill me. Yeah. But sometimes somebody had poison in the well one time Mm. and they did some work and some excavation and they removed it and they repented and Mm. they apologized. Mm. It's not there anymore, Mm. but we're like, that well's toxic. Mm. And that is where cancel culture comes in too. Thank you. And then they just cancel you forever. But it's like, what about the progress that you keep growing from whatever happened? Mm. I love that. I love the the recognizing patterns yes. versus incidents. And now you stated this. I want to make this really clear earlier. There are some things that a boundary immediately needs to emerge right. in. Is there abuse, violence, sexually, verbal? You know, there is. Those are places where, wow, I draw the line. Right. Now, 
you're saying, hey, was it an incidence or is it a pattern? That's something I can build from. I like that. I'm going to ask a few more questions because I want to get in some more from the both of you. Why is it important to resurrect the dead things in our relationships and build a more resilient life with others before Jesus comes? Right, because we're created in the image of God. Mm. And what that God is invisible. He's always been invisible because he chooses to be seen in his people. Mm. Wow. It, I said this at chapel on Wednesday, but when the world says, where is God? That is not and has never been an indictment on God. Mm. That has been an indictment on the church, mm. on the image bearers. If people can't see God, it's because we are not living up to the image that God has placed within us. And so why do we have to stay in relationship? Why mm. do we have to remain image bearers? Mm. I, and I wouldn't put this yoke on everybody. Right. I'm saying when you choose to be a Christian, that's the deal. Mm. That's what you sign up for yeah. is to do relational reconciliation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, okay. Also when she was preaching this at chapel, I wanted to stand up and be like, yes, amen. <laughs> But everyone was silent, so I was like, I'm just going to sit here and hold it in. <laughs> but I do want to say also, to add to that, I've said this before, I think God is timeless. God yes. can come in any form, shape, size. And I think the times that I've asked God to show up in my life, it's usually through a friend, mm. usually through a conversation, mm. usually through another person who speaks to my heart right when I need to hear it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's God. Mm. And that's what I can do for others as well. Mm. Okay, I let me tell this that. story. Can I? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have time. Okay. I was teaching at a secular institution. And at the same time, this is many years ago, at the same time, I'm praying for God to use me. I'm praying to God to have a ministry. And a student walks into my class, and it was a student that I tend to be liked by my students. I can see why. But this one didn't. Oh. She would, like, have her head on the desk. She didn't laugh at my jokes. I was She wasn't picking up what I was putting uh. down. And so in a lot of ways, we just had zero connection whatsoever. I'd never spoken to her. And as she walks in the classroom, this is a true story, I hear in my head, give her the money that's in your wallet. Wow. And I checked my wallet, and I had $20. And I said, I'm not doing that because that's inappropriate. This is a secular school. I can't just be shelling cash to my students. People would wonder what is going on in here. No, I'm not doing it. Mm. And so I teach my class, everybody leaves. And as soon as they walk out, I hear in my head again, you keep asking me um, to give you opportunities, but you're not faithful with small things. Mm. And so I run around looking for this girl. Wow. I'm looking in the parking lot. I can't find her. This was the last, it was a Friday and we went to spring break. I went to my friend's wedding in Mexico. Did not think of this girl or the $20 again. I'm having a great time on the beach in Mexico with my husband. The second, a week later, the second she walks into the classroom, I hear in my head again, give her the money that's in your wallet. Mm. And I, I had not thought of her, I'm telling you, in the entire week. And I open up my wallet and it's now $40. So God had doubled oh. the amount. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful. And I just said, hey, can you stay back after class? And she was incredibly nervous. And she comes forward. And I said, this is so awkward and weird and inappropriate. But I feel like the whole, I'm a Christian. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to give you this $40. I want you to know it is not from me. It is from God. Mm. And I hand it to her and she starts sobbing. Wow. And she tells me, and I had no idea any of this. She's, she tells me that she um, had just been... She, right before she entered my class, she asked her friend 
if they could borrow, if she could borrow money for a box of diapers. I had no idea she was a mom. She was 19 years old. And her friend, they called her friend's dad. The dad said he didn't have any extra money. And her friend said, can we pray? And she said, if God is real, it's going to make mm-hmm. me cry. <sighs> she said, if God is real, then he abandoned me a long time ago. Oh. Um, she had grown up in foster care. When she finally got adopted, she was molested by her adoptive brother. When she told her adoptive parents, they kicked her out. So this young lady is living in a homeless shelter. She has a six-month-old baby. I have no idea. Mm. And she's sitting in the hallway of my class. I have no idea. And they pray for a box of diapers. Wow. And now one hour later, here I am handing her $40. Wow. And I say this to say, I hear my students anyway say all the time, well, God doesn't speak to me. God is speaking to you. Mm. We often don't answer it because it's going to make us look embarrassed. It's going to mm. make us look foolish. I, I, How often does God say to you, go talk to that person? Wow. Go sit down next to this, apply for that job. Go to, wow. the, and you're like, well, that's weird. I don't yeah. know. Is that just me? Yeah. I think we think that when God, at least in my experience hearing God, um, I thought I was listening for this out, Heather, this external <laughs> voice. And maybe you've heard that. I've never heard that. But God speaks to me all the time, yeah. and it's an internal, it feels like my own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I only know that because I've answered them. Mm. And the more I answered mm. that, the more I saw there was no, and I've talked about this with my friends who are, atheist. Mm. And when they say to me, there's no God, I tell this story about this girl. And I say, so what's that? And I remember my friend, Jason, who I've told the story publicly, so he doesn't mind when I say it. He grew up in Adventism with us, is no longer a, a member. And I remember we argued all night, data and science and evolutionary biology. And then all I tell this one testimony, they will conquer him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Mm, I tell this one testimony and he goes, now that's interesting. We have to start believing that God wants to co-labor with you as you are. And therefore, he's talking to you right now. And how do we answer that voice? Because that's how we literally become image bearers in the Mm. world around us. Hallelujah. Amen. I love that. I love that so much. I remember one night coming home from Laguna when I was pastoring there. It was late, 1130. And I do these bomb prayers. You know, just kind of throw a prayer out if you see a need. What does that mean? Tell, terrible, tell me what right? it is. You see a need. It's, it's like a warm, warm, warm motif, you know, like you see, they throw bombs not close to a person, but it's far away so you can do some damage. So I'm thinking I can do some spiritual damage. Okay. Help break the chains this person is on. So I pray for this homeless person I see walking with his big bag by the gas station. I say, Lord, please provide a place for him. And this voice just hit me hard. And what did it sound like, Philip? Because people need to understand. You know, it sounded like my own. Yes. It definitely did. And it was like, and this is all this is all I heard. No, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, and, and and I keep driving a hundred feet because I'm like, <laughs> what do I do with that? And again, it's like, no, you do it. Wow. Go back. I take him in my car, we drive around, go to McDonald's, and I take him to a hotel. And it's just like this reality, like you're saying. Are we listening to the voice? Yes. Because the Lord is eager to speak. We talk about like rebuking the Holy Spirit, like the only sin, right? It it, it builds over time. My yes. dad preached this sermon and he used these blocks to build it between you and the congregation. He's like, it happens over time. You start building the boundaries between you and the Lord and the voice just gets quieter. Mm. Quiet, quiet. 
until it drowns out by the distraction and other things in your life that cause you to push away, being courageous enough to step into the power that God gives you to be obedient to the voice. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage those of you listening, you're wondering, God, have I built such a wall that I no longer hear your voice? Maybe I don't, you don't hear it as you once did. Jesus is so willing to break through that wall right now mm-hmm. in your life. Just call on his name, repent and seek his face and he will be found. How does that verse come in First Chronicles? If my people would seek my face, mm-hmm. humble themselves, I will be found and mm-hmm. I'll heal. I will heal. And God wants to do that in your life today. Here we are in the last few minutes and moments here. I want to just encourage all of you to look back at John 11. But are there any other last thoughts that you two want to share with us? If I even ask you maybe a couple questions here. Sin decreates, but God recreates and calls us to do the same. Jesus speaks to Lazarus and he says just simply one word, Lazarus, come forth. How might we we speak life into people more so? as to bring them life and not death. And how do we do that right now? How could you answer that kind of last question? Yeah. I think um, just reading this story, it is so valuable to take away that sometimes we are our own stones in our life. And yeah. that we have to roll that away in wow. order to allow God to do the work mm. that he's been waiting to do. I will yeah. take out their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Hey. Exactly. And I think also just recognizing that through the relationships that we're having with people, of recognizing that there is so much beauty in yes. creating relationships with people because that's where God works. Mm. And recognizing also in times of grief or death that there is there are glimmers of resurrection. Mm. But we have to seek that out mm-hmm. as well. And so this story has really taught me to um, look at myself. Like, where, where is my stone in yeah, my life? Yeah. And where is the resurrection that I keep desperately seeking for? If God show up for me, maybe God is saying it's already there. Mm. Where, where can I wow. find that myself? Wow. Wow. That's so beautiful. Are there any last words, thoughts? Um, we can, I can end on the scripture. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Mm. And that's what giving your life to Christ does. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are so glad that you joined us here this morning for the Sabbath school lesson. We hope that it was a blessing to you in your life. And this morning, if there is any space and way that you need the resurrection in your marriage, your relationships, friendships, church, work, children, my prayer is that God would truly give that to you, that resurrection life. Heather's going to pray for us as we finish Friends, we hope that you would join us next week for another exciting Sabbath School lesson. Heather, bless us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you of the honor, Father, of getting to be an image bearer of God. May we just know who we are. Mm. That's what I pray, Father, for every single person who is listening to this right now under the sound of my voice. May angels speak over their lives that they remember who Mm. they are are Mm. we are children of god yes may we live as if it's true in your name amen amen Amen. friends if you want to get a copy of heather's book i'll see you tomorrow you can get that on amazon and other places i'm sure that you buy books she has another great book that she wrote before this it's not your turn 
did so well. It was on one of the bestseller lists on Amazon for a long time. And so we just want to encourage you, get this book, get her other book, follow her on Instagram, and even maybe watch and listen to her podcast, Viral Jesus. Blessings to you all.